Hey everybody, this is Felix Kruger's conversational AI dialing in straight from the metaverse. No, of course not. This is Felix Kruger dialing in live from Sydney. Real people, real insights uh, this week again at Sales Enablement Live. And we have a whole lot of things to cover as always. The first thing we'll cover is the key insights from uh, this week's episode of the State of Sales Enablement podcast. I had an awesome conversation uh, with Isaac Carroll from HubSpot around performance mindset. So a few insights to share on that front. Very interesting topic, something that I'm also very passionate about and spend a lot of time thinking about. Looking forward to sharing those insights with you. And we'll also look at a few sales news announcements and articles that have been published in the last week. And then last but not least, uh, we will cover Q&A, any questions that you might have uh, during this live stream and also some of the topics that have come up in recent conversations that I want to uh, talk about. Uh, now, uh, moving on to the first uh, section of Sales Enablement Live this week, uh, which is the performance mindset with Isaac Carroll. And as I said, the mindset side of things is a topic that I'm really passionate about. And I think the conversation with Isaac particularly resonated with me just simply because uh, we talked about mindset, not only in terms that are typically covered when people talk about mindset and what sort of mindset is required for high performance, but we also talked about mindset on a meta level and on a management level, which is particularly relevant for sales enablers out there because your own mindset is important, but obviously if you're a sales enabler, it is also important to be able to identify and work with your sales reps on their mindset. And I think those boxes were certainly ticked in our conversation on the state of sales enablement podcast. And let's listen into the very first clip of that conversation that I want to share with you. But you can't make anyone do anything. You can't change their mind. You can't update their mindset. You can't make them do anything. It has to be a decision that they have made that they want to do. And then all of the work is themselves. It's all internal. You there as a coach or you there as a manager is there to help guide them. And almost a little bit of a seller, ask those questions that helps them start to resonate with what you're talking. If we talk about the individual, can you develop mindset or can you build mindset? Absolutely. If anyone's listening to this podcast and thinking, ah, oh, classic phrase, it's just who I am. This is a very comfortable way to excuse yourself from maybe things that you should be doing a little bit better or you can improve on. But as soon as you say that, your brain goes, okay, we've established that's the reason. And the human mind can be tricked so quickly. So long as we give a reason, regardless of the validity of the reason, that's enough. So if we think about, can anyone change their mindset? Absolutely. We should still be looking for this though in our hiring process. So when we think about hiring, you've got a few things again. So you're looking at craft and technical ability. If you're hiring a salesperson, can they sell? What experience do they have? Do they have negotiation techniques able to handle disagreement and conflict? Can they tell a good story? Can they get someone excited and paying attention and putting themselves into it? That's the craft aspect. But then when you come to things like the behavioral questions, this is where we can dig a little bit deeper. And this is where you start to see, you can Google online. 30 best behavioral questions to ask in an interview kind of thing. And sometimes those are really handy to kick yourself off. But I would say as a hiring manager or a sales manager looking to, let's say, search for mindset, I would encourage you to sit down and think about your why. 
what kind of mindset is important to you and your team? Why do you value this so much? How have you seen this represented in other members of your team or other people in your company or professional circle? And what are the questions that you personally would ask to uncover that? And as soon as you start to ask someone else's question, you've already lost that little bit of resonance that you want to have with the interviewee or the candidate and starting to get the like, interplay and connection of discussion because that's when things really start to get interesting. All right. So a lot of things to unpack here. I think the very first thing that Isaac mentioned about a mindset being something that you can adopt and change. I think this is absolutely something that is not negotiable for anybody that you hire and sells. I think a growth mindset, nobody's born a genius. Everybody's learning along the way. And a growth mindset is pretty much non-negotiable in 2022. And from my point of view, certainly parenting has been a real eye-opener on that front and really understanding human learning. I, I spend a lot of time with my son and really watch closely how he learns and how he adopts certain things that I teach him. And I think a lot of the principles that you, that you learn to acquire as a parent and that you uh, human learning principles that children display, I think are really useful if you are a hiring manager as well, like in sales and in any, any other area for that matter. I think the other uh, thing that was really interesting, what Isaac touched on here was the, the hiring methodology and the fact that you have to identify the mindset to succeed for your own business. And I think. You have to identify the mindset to succeed within the business that you're hiring for and the mindset um, that people need to succeed within the team that they operate in. And I've seen it many times that people have hired uh, people with a particular skill set, but they didn't really put emphasis on the mindset during the hiring process. And of course, those sort of hires didn't work out. So I think this is an area that deserves a lot of emphasis. But having said that, I think there is some sort of, you know, popular myth floating around that it is really important to hire for attitude and not for skill. I do agree with that to a certain degree, but I do think that a certain level of um, skill and a certain level of knowledge around a certain area is also a reflection of the right mindset. Yeah. So if somebody uh, applies for a role, doesn't know anything about the space, but has a great attitude in some shape or form, I don't think that's a great hire because if that person had the right attitude uh, for your role, that person would have already done the groundwork to actually gain a better understanding of the kind of op space that they would be operating in and so on. So I think, as I said earlier, a growth mindset is non-negotiable. And then beyond that, I think a certain level of basic knowledge is required uh, to then build on that. and. I think people that really own their development and they really have that growth mindset and are really putting a heavy emphasis on developing um, themselves on an ongoing basis, those are the people that will sooner or later succeed in roles, in any role, but in sales in particular. Now, the next area that uh, we touched on in our conversation was about creating a safe environment uh, to fail. And uh, let's take a listen. And this is definitely something that you're seeing more and more companies do, as well as sport, is creating that safe environment to fail. I think there's been an evolution of that discussion of fail fast and fail often. 
moving from maybe what it was before, which was a great slogan to say and to share to people now actively practicing this and saying, okay, if we want them to be able to have that call with the CEO and smash it out of the park, we need to give people the opportunity to fail. That's how humans learn. We learn through trying something, failing, and then making a small course correction or tweak based on our experience of that. How unfair would that be like, hey, you've just started sales. We expect a hundred percent close. You just be sitting there being like, that's not going to happen. That's impossible. You're setting someone up for failure, which if we go back to mindset, now their self-talk is going, well, I couldn't achieve what I was meant to do. I'm terrible. I'm a failure. Why bother practicing? It just descends so quickly, so quickly. All right. Yeah. Creating an environment to fail, absolutely crucial. I think Isaac was right. I think about 10 years ago, I could really tell that there was a slogan that a lot of companies were going for, but they didn't really practice what they preached. A couple of companies that I worked at always used to say that uh, fail fast and this is a safe uh, place to fail. But then when it really came down to it, they expected perfection. So I think the, the evolution of that sort of attitude um, has really taken place. And I can really tell that a lot of companies, especially in the tech space, are living that now. I think some other industries uh, might be behind on that front. And I want to share a slice of light here around that topic. And uh, there's a company that I have been exposed to through somebody in my network, um, not in the tech industry. And that company really had that attitude of expecting perfection and everything that employees were constantly doing. And that essentially uh, made for a terrible culture. And uh, the person that I knew at that company became really anxious about doing things wrong. And because everybody had that attitude at the company, the managers were really nitpicking and oftentimes perfection meant doing things according to how the manager would do it, which is pretty much impossible unless you're a mind reader or you've been working with that uh, person for 30 years and you know exactly what is expected. So I think that sort of attitude of expecting perfection is the exact opposite of creating a safe environment to fail. And I think that's really poison for any uh, company uh, culture, constantly expecting perfection. And creating that safe environment to fail, I think, again, reverting back to what I said earlier about parenting, this is how we all learn. This is how a little children learn early on. Like nobody um, grows up uh, knowing how to say every single word perfectly, or nobody knows uh, when they're little how to walk and how to run. Like everybody fails, everybody falls over, everybody uh, mispronounces words. I still do it a lot in English, as you might've noticed. But those kind of things are part of human behavior. And I think creating a safe environment uh, to fail is particularly crucial. And you might be working for months and months on getting the CEO of a company that is your ideal customer on the, on the phone line for a 15-minute conversation. And then suddenly you say the wrong things and the deal goes nowhere. And I think deliberate practice and really creating those safe environments to fail when it doesn't really matter, but creating that environment for failure that nurtures ongoing improvements is really crucial for sales reps to really develop on an ongoing basis and to really performing when it matters. And I think that also comes down to what sort of seniority level you're hiring for as well. And at the end of the day, the salary that you pay somebody is directly correlated to the experience somebody has and to the amount of uh, mistakes that person has previously made in their career that won't impact your business when you hire that person. Assuming that people don't make 
the same mistakes twice. This is essentially a way to mitigate the risk of somebody making a mistake that might impact your business in a negative way. And hiring a senior resource mitigates that risk of that person making that mistake again. And that's why you pay that premium. I think the attitude and the sort of experience that you um, get when you have somebody, when you hire somebody senior is especially crucial from a sales enablement point of view. I think senior sales enablement resources really have the potential to, to reduce that runway that you need to make sales enablement really work for your business. On that note, I want to move on to the next section of this session. I came across an article this week that was titled, where do salespeople fit in a digital world? And that was published on the Harvard Business Review. And I think that article uh, was quite interesting. And again, I drop a link to that article in the, in the show notes of this episode in the podcast version. I think generally speaking, this was not aimed at a, a specialist sales audience because a lot of the things that they mentioned was pretty much preaching to the converted and stating the obvious. But I think a few interesting points that they mentioned here was that virtual selling works best if trust is already there. And I think there's a whole lot of truth in there. If you think about virtual selling and the sort of behaviors that come with it, oftentimes you have a stranger on the internet reaching out to you and starting a sales conversation. And I think there is still not a lot of trust there when somebody random on the internet contacts you wanting to start a business conversation. This is where things like authority indicators or trust indicators come in in terms of testimonials and track records and so on. And this is certainly why LinkedIn is such a popular platform because it allows for those sort of indicators that uh, build trust in a sales conversation. But yeah, I think virtual works best if the trust is already there. If there's a certain degree of trust, the remote conversation through virtual challenge is much more effective. And that essentially is the lubricant uh, for those conversations that is needed to avoid conversation stalling and people just disappearing into the darkness of the internet. The other aspect of this article that I found quite interesting was the note that in-person is still best in commoditized markets. So meaning that the less differentiated your proposition is and the more comparable offers are out there, the more in-person really matters. And again, this comes down to the impact of trust being created and human connection contributing to the stickiness of a sales conversation. I think, yeah, if you think about any commoditized markets that are not very differentiated and don't have a value proposition that really differentiates the offer from other providers in market, this is where in-person is still really important and where it really makes sense to continue engaging customers in person, at, at least in the very beginning of the conversation. Now, then the conclusion of this article was essentially that the question that shouldn't be whether or not salespeople will become redundant, it should rather be how sales can best partner with digital tools. And again, I think this is absolutely true. I recently read a book called uh, The Feeling Economy, How Artificial Intelligence is Creating the Era of Empathy by Ronald T. Rust. In that book, the author essentially describes how the economy is now moving on into a artificial intelligence economy and more and more companies are creating efficiency through artificial intelligence. And this certainly impacts sales as well. And the argument that this author makes in his book 
is that in an economy where artificial intelligence is applied in more and more areas, the areas that are really exclusive to humans, which at this stage is empathy and the ability to create really strong human connection is something that really will be driven by humans for a very long time. And when you think about consideration within a business process of whether some, something should be automated or not, we reach that stage where humans are really competing with, with artificial intelligence. And his argument is that particularly in the sales profession, humans will have the edge for a very long time. And I think this is a very interesting notion. And at the same time, even though humans might still have the competitive edge, humans will still be able to create efficiencies in the background by utilizing artificial intelligence tools and salespeople partnering with artificial intelligence tools, so to speak, to become better at their craft and to practicing and making mistakes in a safe environment, as we discussed earlier. I think those salespeople partnering effectively with artificial intelligence will certainly have the edge in the long term. And, but he also says that in the long run, I'm not quite sure which time frame he quoted there, but I think it was around the 30 year mark. He expects artificial intelligence will even be stronger in terms of human skills, such as empathy. By that point in time, even humans might become redundant in the sales profession, but yeah, 30 years is quite a long time. So we might have some runway on that front. I think the other interesting aspect of that whole discussion around humans versus artificial intelligence and empathy being something that um, offers a competitive edge and is something that companies are actively looking for is that the, again, when we talk about mindset, I think the mindset around empathy really changes. And if you think about the whole discussion around equality, the gender equality between uh, males and uh, females, unfortunately still being underpaid by a lot of companies, suddenly the empathy that uh, females bring to the table, particularly in the sales role, becomes so much higher valued and has such a greater uh, potential to add value to a business as a competitive edge and um, that females, particularly in the sales profession, have the potential to be higher paid. So I think, yeah, this is one, one of the positives that might come out of the whole artificial intelligence technology taking over and probably also reason for uh, males to feel more confident um, or comfortable with their empathetic uh, side and you know, that it's not necessarily a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength, particularly in a professional environment. And yeah, I think artificial inte intelligence in that context really offers um, us the opportunity to become more human. I think that's certainly a, a positive development. Now, on the note of salespeople partnering with technology, LinkedIn has announced that they will roll out a new sales navigator search features and CRM integration updates. So that's uh, something that will be rolled out in the coming weeks, as far as I'm aware. So anybody who really puts an emphasis on social selling within their sales organization should certainly look out for that. Uh, LinkedIn has a event called Spark that is coming up on March 16th. So that is Australian time. So that might be March 15th for other parts of the world. And I think there will be a whole lot of announcements on that front. So it might be worthwhile looking out for that. Uh, again, we will drop links to all of those mentions in the show notes uh, if you want to uh, check that out. Now, I just want to touch on a couple of conversations that I had this week. Um, always 
very stimulating to connect with people on LinkedIn and to lead those sort of conversations. And the first conversation that I had where I just want to share my sh uh, thoughts with you was today actually with Adam Krug from PEGA from the UK. And we had a conversation about just-in-time enablement and he shared some really interesting thoughts on that front. I'm sure you'll see more content from Adam around that topic. And his thoughts around just-in-time enablement are really interesting. So just-in-time enablement, for those who are not familiar, is the concept of provide support for sales during the conversation exactly when they need it. And I think the main problem that we always encounter around just-in-time enablement is the resourcing side of things. So if that is done by a human, you always have the issue that there's only so many hours in a day by sales enablement professionals, and it's not really possible to support every deal hands-on and just in time on an ongoing basis. And this is really where technology comes into play um, to support scale on that front. And in our discussion, we were talking about how there is a is an opportunity in scale, but there's also danger on scale in the sense that if uh, the algorithm utilized to provide just-in-time enablement and to expose certain support for sales in terms of training content, in terms of buyer content, in terms of advice on how to lead a certain conversation, if the algorithm isn't configured correctly, there might be the danger of uh, sales not relying on this and seeing that the algorithm doesn't get things right in each case and sales essentially developing a blind spot for those recommendations. So I think the opportunity um, here is really huge for companies to get that right. But I do think it has to be very right, so to speak, for it to really make an impact at scale. But if you think about it, a virtual assistant providing just-in-time support during sales conversations and really being a coach, I think that would be an amazing feature to have in any sort of uh, tech platform out there and really has the potential to even coach low-performing salespeople into becoming really high performers. I'm not aware of anybody who does that really well. Let me know if you've come across any technologies that do that really well. But I do think down the track, we'll see more of that and done better than what we see at the moment. Now, the other conversation that I had this week as well on LinkedIn was with Dave Nell from Miro. And we had a discussion around activity metrics versus revenue metrics and activity metrics still being a measurement of success for some sales enablement teams, I think is only valid if the revenue metrics and the revenue KPIs are there. Revenue should always be the North Star for any sales function, because uh, that's at the end of the day, the, the purpose of sales. Activity metrics, as Dave uh, pointed out, are really crucial to get the execution right on the way towards revenue metrics. So I think this is certainly a discussion that will continue. I think we will be recording a podcast episode probably along those lines in the future. So something to look out for. The other news as well is that John Moore has announced that his trust enablement community will be no more really sad news because it was pretty much my favorite sales enablement community out there. He'll be shutting that one down because he said that it doesn't really add value beyond the existing larger communities out there anymore. Yeah, sad news for everybody who was involved in the trust enablement community. Yeah, but thanks again, John, for setting that up. I've made a lot of great connections through trust enablement and those sort of connections live on far beyond the interaction uh, within the community. It certainly offered a lot of value to me. Yeah, thanks for running that for as long as you have.
Now, to finish off, I just want to point out a few episodes that are coming up. Really excited about those. I have recorded an interview with Bryn Tillman, who is a brilliant social selling expert. Her company, Social Sales Link, does some great work in the U.S. And we specifically spoke about how to get a social selling program off the ground for a sales organization. So really a great step-by-step -step guide coming up on that front. Later on today, I will be recording a episode with Anthony Sork, who is a leadership consultant who works on big leadership transformation projects with corporates. He's not specialized in sales, but he advises the senior leadership of companies on how to transform the approach to leadership within that organization. And he really guides that process. So I think I actually took his leadership training at, in a previous corporate role, and um, I thought it was incredibly powerful. So we'll talk about uh, some of his principles and how that can be applied to sales and sales enablement. And then I'll also record a episode with Mike Kunkel to talk specifically about buyer acumen and how that can be uh, nurtured within an organization. So that will be coming up um, soon. So please make sure to subscribe to the State of Sales Enablement podcast if you haven't already, if you want to listen to those episodes. And as always, uh, thank you so much for your support. If you listen to this episode, um, always keen to hear feedback if you want to continue the discussion around certain topics or if you are keen to hear about certain topics that you want me to cover. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.